Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, December 9th, 2018. And this is episode 114. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Brad, and welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, a couple of reminders. One is that we now have a Patreon account, and you could support the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash canine nation and making a small monthly donation of $1 or $5 or more if you feel so inclined. You can also leave a small one time donation on our tip jar which is located at our caninenation.ca website. You'll find a button that says Donate, and you can pop over and support us via PayPal with a one-time donation of $1, $5, or any amount you choose. Also, a quick reminder that if you want to send a question or leave us feedback or maybe offer a suggestion, you can send us email at talkto at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number two at caninenation.ca. So this week, I wanted to talk about something that I don't often talk about in my writing, and that's the 12 years or so I spent with my dog doing dog agility. I never really set out to do dog agility. It's not a sport that I watched and thought, I need to do some of that. No, it more coincided with me learning about science and behavior-based training and needing an activity that was unique enough to put those skills to the test. And since my wife was already doing agility, it seemed to make sense that I just picked up and did something we could do together. Mostly, it was a good experience. It certainly was fun for my dog and I as we learned and explored and tried different techniques to develop our skills together. What was less fun was learning about the agility world and seeing the variety of people that worked within it. Not everyone trains positively, and it can be hard to see how the competitive nature of the sport can affect people in a negative way. But all in all, I think it was a positive experience. It wasn't all negative, and we met some great people and saw some amazing things. So I wanted to share with you this essay, Dog Agility, A Personal Reflection. I am an unrepentant student of dogs. It's a big subject. My most keen interests have been in areas of how dogs experience their world, how they learn, and the dynamics of teaching dogs. I live with dogs, so it makes sense that I want to understand them better. I have discovered that just learning about dogs, their behavior, and how they learn is surprisingly complex. Our understanding of dogs is growing almost daily as research looks deeper into the capabilities of our dogs and our relationship with them. It can be a lot to keep up with. Years ago, when I was just beginning to dig into books about dog science, I needed a practical application for what I was learning. You can't just read about behavioral science and canine learning. You actually have to get your hands dirty, so to speak, and try to teach some dogs. I mean, how can you know if any of that stuff actually works if you don't use it? Well, 
I chose dog agility as my main activity with my dog. My wife had been active in dog agility when I got my dog, Tiramisu, as a puppy. It seemed a natural fit to just continue with agility as something of a family affair. I took all that I was learning about dogs and behavior and applied it to trying to teach Tira to be a great agility dog. Interestingly, I found that being an agility dog is really an extra set of skills. If I didn't teach her the basic skills to be a good companion and family dog, teaching the agility stuff really wouldn't have done me much good. As it turns out, dog agility is kind of a big deal as dog activities go. There are world championships, different venues or leagues with different skills and different scores, plenty of weekend trials to earn titles and to test your skills, and classes, lots and lots and lots of classes. You can spend hundreds of dollars on everything from agility basics to a weekend workshop and how to get your dog to move from one side of you to the other. But for me, it was a training challenge. There were very specific skills that my dog and I had to learn, and for me, the classroom and the workshop formats just seemed to complicate things. They just didn't work for me. The more I thought about it, the more I believed that what I was learning about dogs and how to teach them should be as useful for teaching agility as it was for anything else. So, while many of our friends in agility attended regular classes and paid for expensive weekend workshops and seminars, Tira and I worked mostly in our living room, and a few minutes each week we would go to the barn and work on agility equipment. After years of success for my dog and I, including several championship titles, it still puzzles me why people spend all that money and time in classes when they might do just as well as I did on their own. Perhaps there is something to the often repeated nickname for agility enthusiasts agility addicts. We spend a lot of time and money traveling to agility trials, and we've made some great friends in the community of dog agility competitors. But I don't talk about it much in my writing. That's not an accident. The truth of it is, I have witnessed some of the best and worst of humanity at agility events. I've seen people celebrate small moments of confidence in fearful rescue dogs who are learning to trust again through the game of agility. And I've also seen people kick their dogs, both accidentally and on purpose, as if they were nothing more than malfunctioning sports equipment. Sometimes it can be hard to talk about. I've always approached dog agility as a somewhat independent pursuit. For me, it's about how well I have trained my dog and how well we work together. Agility trials in any venue offer me a chance to test my skills in order to obtain a qualifying score, often referred to as a Q. But they also score each event with placements so that competitors can compare their results to others to see how they stack up. So, some people play to see if they can qualify, and some people play to see if they can come in first place, or maybe a bit of both in different measures for different people. Agility trials are interesting environments. In addition to the organized activity of giving each handler and dog a chance to compete in the ring, many people are also spectators who like to watch the other handlers run. There is social time where people with a similar interest can talk and laugh. 
All of it is enclosed in a relatively small space crowded with dogs and people. A big part of dog agility is about managing our dogs and navigating a busy and potentially stressful environment for our dogs. It's always interesting to me to watch handlers when they step onto an agility course. It can be nerve-wracking to be out there, just you and your dog, facing a course full of equipment with a judge and all of your peers watching. The spotlights are on, and whatever happens, everyone can see it. At least that's one way to look at it. Others, like myself, lose all sense of anything but their dog and the course. We are alone in a crowd, out playing our favorite game for a few moments and enjoying ourselves. One of my favorite sayings about being in the agility ring to compete is that this is not a casino. It's a test of skills for both the handler and the dog. If we don't have the skills to be successful when we step onto the course, they aren't likely to magically appear. But that simple truth doesn't seem to stop competitors from practicing all kinds of pre-run rituals and superstitions. Even if you have the skills, it's not always easy to use them perfectly every time. Playing agility with your dog means accepting that you aren't going to be perfect every time. Perhaps the hardest thing for me to watch is when handlers blame their dog for mistakes on the agility course. It happens a lot more often than you might think. It seems that our very human expectations of our dogs and ourselves can lead to frustration and upset when things don't go the way we wanted. It is our human emotional responses in those unsuccessful moments that can have the greatest impact on our dogs. And that's a hard thing to watch. Our dogs are not supposed to be sports equipment. They have feelings and they have thoughts. Our dogs are also not people. Their thoughts and feelings are not nearly as complex or as refined as ours. As I watch agility competitors and their reactions to their runs in the trial ring, whether they are successful or unsuccessful, it can be very enlightening to watch the dog instead of the human. Their reactions to their humans can tell you a great deal about the relationship they enjoy, or don't, with that particular person. As a spectator, I see a lot of things at agility events, both inside the competition ring and outside of it. Too often I see a wary glance, or the smallest flinch, the hesitation in a dog's stride, the sudden interest in some smell when the handler seems upset. Some dogs even speed up at the end of a course as if they are grateful that it's almost over. All the while, their handler is looking at the time clock or hoping the judge hasn't called any faults. Is this a qualifying run? Did we get first place? Success or failure defined in very human terms. But then there are the other runs. Dogs who joyfully run without hesitation or worry. Handlers who laugh with their dogs when things go wrong instead of giving a stern correction. The pure joy and connection that is apparent between some handlers and their dogs shows off the best that dog sports has to offer. A recognition that the dog is just there to play with their human. An understanding that not qualifying is not the end of the world. That finishing second or third or last doesn't matter to the dog. After all, Agility is such a small part of our dog's life with us.
I'm sure much of what I've said here will resonate with people in dog obedience, confirmation, lure coursing, or any of the other dog sports out there. These are activities that we have created to show off the abilities of our dogs and our abilities as their teachers to give them the skills they need to perform well. When we succeed, it's because of the relationship that I have with my dog and her willingness to work with me. But when we fail, well, the failures are mine and they're mine alone. I'm the trainer. I'm the one who manages the relationship. I am the one who can make life wonderful or miserable for my dog. I guess it comes down to whether my need for success in dog agility is more important than my need to help my dog feel good about her life. And for me, that's an easy choice. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We have over 100 episodes available both at the caninenation.ca website and also available through iTunes and other podcast directories. You can also find Canine Nation articles at the lifeisahuman.com website or follow the links under writing at caninenation.ca. There are some great podcasts out there about dogs, behavior, and training. I'd like to share two of my favorites with you. Dog Talk with Nick Benger is a weekly podcast out of the UK. Nick interviews some of the best and brightest trainers in the world. He gives you a look not just at training concepts and techniques, but also some great insight into the person he's talking with. Lots of great information and some wonderful stories from Nick's guests. You can find Nick's podcast on iTunes and all of the major podcast directories, or you can check out his website at nickbenger.com. That's N-I-C-K-B-E-N-G-E-R dot com. The Animal Training Academy podcast with Ryan Cartledge is another great interview podcast from New Zealand. Ryan's guests are from many areas of the training world, not just dogs. Ryan has interviewed horse trainers, behavioral scientists, wild animal trainers working with zoos, and lots and lots of great dog people as well. Ryan's podcast is also available at iTunes and the best podcast directories. You can find Ryan's website at animaltrainingacademy.com. So head to your favorite podcast listening app and check these out. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. <laughs>